0: If I can share really quickly the story of kind of how I found out, my oh, yeah. my daughter's 13 now, and I guess she was 12 at the time, and she wanted to go see Avatar too, mm-hmm. and I, I I flipped open my phone, to, you know, put it on silent, and there was an email there saying, "Congratulations, you got into UTMB," like literally <laughs> all that. And then I turned my phone off and put it away. And I sat there for three and a half hours. And honestly, I don't remember a single thing from that movie. (laughs) Literally not a single part of that movie. I spent three and a half hours going, holy crap, I got into UTMB.
1: Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast. With your hosts, Norman and Jody. discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners.
2: And they're off. Hello, hello. Hey, what's going on? Still recovering from the Fiddle 50 this weekend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seeing people run around in circles made me dizzy.
2: Yeah, it sure did. Hmm. But it was a great day.
1: Yep, a lot of excitement. People were happy that they did it. They tried to wrap their head around to do this, and then after two or three k and they're like
2: yeah i think i could do this exactly (laughs) it's a mental challenge this race that's what i think anyway yeah honestly though there were some moments that i've never experienced in a race so first one was yep one of our 10kers brought his sister and he decided he needed a haircut before the 10k went off so he set up and the chair and she came with the buzzer
1: Made her, made him more aerodynamic.
2: That's right, and he won.
1: <laughs> it worked.
2: <laughs> Saved him a uh, few seconds. Very good. Yes. Second one was in the ten k. We had a six month pregnant mom pushing her two year old in a running stroller yep. for ten k, which took I think just over two hours, two fifteen maybe.
1: So she pushed her child the entire ten k.
2: Pushed her t- in the in the stroller. Yep. At the end of the race, the two-year-old gets out of the stroller, yep. runs the entire one-kilometer loop by herself, and we can see her. She did not yeah. stop running <laughs> in Crocs.
1: And I remember this little, this little <laughs> body going across the field. I was like, wow.
2: We could not believe that she did that. She and,
1: kn- and she knew the route.
2: She never stopped. And she was so excited when she finished that she went and started to do it again. I'm not sure she finished the second loop, Uh, but still an entire kilometer, two years old. This little girl could not put sentences together because (laughs) she looked older to me because she had long hair. And then I realized she's not, she's not speaking. She was so happy that she finished. So she was two. Wow. I know.
1: Future Olympian or at least scholarship.
2: Unbelievable. (laughs) We had people that finished their very first ultra.
1: Yep. In the 50 and the 80.
2: Yes. We had two women outright placed one and two in the 80K.
1: Wow. Which
2: was amazing to watch. Yep. They never stopped smiling. (laughs) They were so joyous and happy to be there. And they were friends, which was great. And
1: as far as I know, I don't think anybody got lost. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Somebody That's, managed to sprain an ankle, though, which you're not sure how that happened.
1: I know it's just weird. Uh, <laughs> I I was running by her. It's like, what happened here? It's a it's a complete flat gravel road.
2: <laughs> well, you didn't stop to help her.
1: Well, there were paramedics. You guys who took care of.
2: Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it Anyways, was a great day. It yeah, was a great good.
1: day. Well, hey, we just hope to expand it keep it going and yes. hopefully it'll be a complete festival absolutely okay who's on the podcast today
2: today we have a previous guest from our western state series last year we mm. have steve day mm. hails from vancouver and he's now in the midst of training for utmb <laughs> which unexpectedly he got into off the wait list and he only had one stone well in the lottery
1: yeah i don't know how yeah you call it stones now can we keep I keep referring to tickets. Right. But no, now it's Stones. Now it's Stones. He got Western States, he finished, that got him into UTMB.
2: That's right. Boom. So if you want to hear his Western States lead up story, that's episode 38. Yep. Today we're going to talk about his actual Western States experience as well as his plans for UTMB.
1: I can't wait to hear about
2: that. Yeah. And we, more. Well, we met him at Western States, but of course we only got to see him in short Stints, right? right?
1: Well, yeah. we did run the training camp together at Western States, and I saw him on the start line of Western States, and that's the last time. <laughs> 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 so, now we're going to talk about his journey to UTMB, which right. is which is Western States. Coming up.
2: Welcome back to the podcast, Steve. And congratulations on getting into UTMB with one ticket. We sure hope you bought a lottery ticket that day, because... <laughs> It's definitely not the norm.
0: (laughs) Only took me seven years. Yeah, was not expecting that one, that's for sure.
2: Absolutely not. But before we get into UTMB, let's go back to your Western States experience because we had you on with our Canadian Trail to Western States last year. So let's go back to that because there's lots of things to talk about.
1: (laughs) First is you and I first met at the camp when you towered over me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, as Norm likes to say, I'm I'm really tall. So when my friends were watching the starting line video for Western States, I stuck out head and shoulders, even <laughs> above Adam Peterman. You can see Steve Day's head. So.
2: <laughs> uh, we didn't, we couldn't tell you were that tall in the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no the the training camp for Western States, which Norm and I were both at, was such a good experience. And in fact, every hundred that I ever do. For the rest of my life i'm going to do a three-day training camp even if it's you know a self-supported self-organized one i think that's the best way to really get the mind body and legs and lungs and everything else just super ready for a mountain hundred
2: Mm. yeah absolutely
1: i remember at the camp when we got off the bus at robinson flat everyone was freezing (laughs) and did you see some of the pics of this year i think this year was even worse
0: yeah well there's so much snow at robinson still right so (laughs) there's a lot of betting as to how many miles they'll be running on snow like norm you and i touched snow what twice for maybe a couple meters and that's it last year and there's going to be a lot of snow at the end of june so it's going to be a very different running this year
2: and it was hard for me to imagine that because robinson flat was probably the hardest aids or hottest i should say aid station that we went to to find you guys and we hung out there for quite a while and it was really hard to get shade because everyone that was there ahead of us had captured the shade spot so i can't i can't imagine a mere a month
0: a month, month before a, that a
2: month and a bit before that we it were was freezing cold and snow <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, we're three Canadians here, right? Like we shouldn't be complaining about snow, but I'm a skier and I like to ski on snow and I just don't enjoy running on snow. I'll admit it, it sucks all my energy. <laughs> so I was very happy I got to run states last year when there was almost no snow because it's going to be a tough running this year.
2: Between that and the forest fires with the reroutes, which yeah. I haven't exactly kept up on, but I'm assuming there's gonna be some, I don't know if you have. Mm.
0: It sounds like they've done a lot of good trail work, which is good. And there's a little bit of private land after Forest Hill. I think they're still working on how they're going to route through there. But uh, overall, I think they've, other than the miles of, you know, burnt forest that runners are going to run through, I think it's uh, pretty much on the traditional course,
2: it looks like. Oh, that's good. That's good.
0: So I think your question, you know, the training camp last year was spectacular. I, I kind of was pretty nervous about states because I'd been dreaming about this race for 10 years. And just getting to go and run 70 miles of the course over three days, literally every step from Robinson to Auburn was amazing. It left me with the, uh, you know, just the the assurance on race day that I knew what I was getting myself into. Mm.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: I do remember when I was talking to some people at the camp who feel that they're struggling with the whole lottery process. So they feel that the best experience they're going to get is through the camp. They're not even going to try the lottery. They're going to just go to the camp and then that's their Western experience. Unfortunately, but that's kind of how it's going that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know I'm on the right coast, but if I lived anywhere close there, I would go every year to that camp. It's the best school there is. Like we got aid stations and barbecues at the end and bus transport for $50 a day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's very reasonable
0: really cool and I know so few races do this like I think Leadville is the only other race that I know of that offers the camp but you know I've got a friend running Cascade Crest next month and so I'm helping him just build his own three-day camp and then I'm planning a camp you know before UTMB just you know myself up in Whistler for three days so you know you can you can definitely build it yourself
1: and I also remember that um, well when we did the camp we were trying to just pace ourselves at a sub 24 hour pace at the camp to see if we could do it. So let's talk about
0: race day. <laughs> I didn't pace myself at the camp. I went a bonkers at the camp. I tried, to, I tried to CR the devil's thumb climb. It didn't work. <laughs>
1: okay. Let's talk about race day.
2: So obviously yeah. thanks to the camp, you were feeling pretty prepared at the start line, which is great
0: yeah yeah i think standing on the start line of any hundred feeling confident is at least for me is so important right because you know you're gonna get hit with like dozens of things throughout the day but just have that confidence to know that you know Norm and i knew we were getting to the track right <laughs> to have that confidence helped a lot yeah
2: absolutely
1: <laughs> i felt that at the start of the race day Everybody was chilled. Nobody was at the start line un- until a minute before. Did you find that? Like, everyone was like, where is everybody? We're just, it was so casual.
0: Well, I think we're going to have a very different experience in Chamonix in a couple of months. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like I wanted to line up, and it was 10 minutes before, it was 10 to 5, and there was no one even there. I think Camille really <laughs> went rinse off the start line, but. That was it. So it was like five minutes before that we all kind of wandered in. It was like Norm was up front and then I was back a bit with Peterman and it was just so chill.
1: (laughs) I think that is just the most how I start of a lineup because I remember every other ultra I've done. It was uh, pumped and
2: music and I don't know, uh, just it was just
1: so. Relaxed, yeah,
2: relaxed, yeah. relaxed. But everybody was kind of in their own head. too, yeah, I'm sure. I guess right. So, yeah. This is this is a lot of people's bucket list race coming to fruition finally, and I'm sure they were in their own heads. Mm. <laughs> now that that start is nothing to. Uh, laugh about you have to go up the escarpment did you manage to run at all or did you hike just hold back and hike it
0: i hiked every step of that and i wanted to run but i knew that wasn't a good idea you know because i live in north vancouver i live and train in the mountains and i'm a good climber um, that's my strength. I, I, I definitely have to work on my flats and my descending, but I'm a climber. And so I knew that 800 meter climb up the escarpment was going to be good. And the best thing I could do was take it from my perspective, super chill, eat and drink and Talk every time I saw a Canadian flag, we chatted with whoever it was, and it was great and just kind of keep my heart rate down. And I still crested the escarpment in like 52 minutes or something crazy like that. And, um, just because of you know the climbing legs, right? So, so that was good. You know, I could have gone five, 10 minutes faster, but I would have just ripped my heart rate way too high on that. So I think the first hour went kind of as good as it could have gone. So- mm.
1: I remember it was pretty much routine for me as well until I got to Last Chance and then I was fighting cutoffs. What happened to you at Last Chance aid station? I know something happened to you there.
0: I took it super easy in the high country. So before I get to Last Chance, like as soon as he crusted the escarpment and going through Lion Ridge and Red Star, um, everyone says the views are spectacular. And I was running just within myself, in my head. I was not looking around. And I think something like you know, almost a hundred people passed me between the top of the escarpment and you know, Red Star or, or Lion Ridge, because I was just running in my pace. And you know, Norm, I'm sure you remember it was tricky up there in the high country. Yes, there was snow, yeah. there was lots of rocks, it was muddy and boggy. And whatever my pace was, I wasn't running with the GPS watch, but it was probably like you know, 830 pace or something. I was running super slow and controlled. And there were people flying by me, which, you know, good for them. But, um, you know, by the time I got into Robinson, not not even last chance, but Robinson, I was almost an hour behind 24-hour pace, which was totally (laughs) fine. I never really honestly thought I was ever had a shot of going sub-24, but I got into Robinson later than I wanted, which meant that it was hotter than I wanted at that point, too. And you know, you know, Jody was there for hours. Like it, it was hot. Like by that point, it was mid thirties at Robinson, and I was really, really dehydrated at that point. And it it took me a while to recover just from the dehydration. You know, sometime it crept up to high thirties and then into the low forties in in the canyons and. Yep. Aldorado and Deadwood, and my stomach shut down, and so I was fighting dehydration early on. And then I got my, my I got my hydration back somewhere between Robinson, I guess, you know, Dusty or whatever the one is afterwards. I got my my hydration back, but then it was so crazy hot that my stomach shut down. Which you know, thankfully for Roctane and Tailwind, I was able just to keep drinking and get the calories in. But I didn't eat solid food for at least five hours. wow! Um, (laughs) So I was just drinking like liters and liters an hour of roctane and tailwind getting the calories in and then still moving forward. So that was that was kind of the thing that just kind of kept me moving. But then I'm not a doctor. I don't know if either of you are, but super weird things started happening to my body, maybe because I I sweat so much, but I was Mm. sweating so profusely. And I felt like I had hypothermia. Like, honestly, I've had hypothermia twice before in my life in in the mountains. Well, like early onset hypothermia. And it was 40 degrees and I was shivering beyond the air. And so at one of those aid stations, it was probably last chance. You know, the volunteers were so good and they were filling me up with ice. I had an ice bandana, and ice sleeves on and ice in my bucket hat. And I was just like, almost like shaking uncontrollably. This is before dropping into one of the canyons. But they insisted that they'd fill me up with ice and then kind of, you know, pushed me out there. And then as soon as we dropped into the canyon, Norm, you know what happened? It raised another five degrees. Yeah. There was no airflow, right? And so it was just the blast furnace of like 42 degrees. And you're in the- <laughs> and so I was happy at that point that I was covered head to toe in ice, but it was so crazy. <laughs> such a crazy experience.
1: That was that's a weird feeling. I never experienced something like that before. But I know that I've dealt I saw that happen around Last Chance. A lot of people were really out of it at mm. Last Chance. But anyway, that, that's what happened to me. I was fighting cutoffs, but I was fine. I was just running slow. But anyways, I think the low point for me was Michigan Bluff when I was hoping to kind of do that in the daylight to get to forest. Mm. But I got to Michigan just as the sun was setting. How was that for you, Michigan Bluff area?
0: Michigan Bluff was fine for me. Um, like I had a couple of low points going through the canyons, and the climb up Devil's Thumb was was a good climb for me. But when I got to the Devil's Thumb aid station, which is only at mile forty eight, I had a bit of a mental breakdown when I just crumbled and I I just couldn't believe I was only forty eight miles through this. Like I wasn't even halfway, <laughs> and so. That was probably my yeah. low point and you've got no crew and no pacers at that point. So you're just by yourself, like almost on the verge of tears. Um, so I was able to turn that around. And um, you know, by the time I climbed up the, through the last or the second last Canyon to Michigan, all my family and friends were there. So that was really good to see them. Um, but, you know, as you know, the, the section between Michigan and Forest Hill, it's a tough section. Yeah. canyon. It's deceptive. It doesn't look like it should be tough, but, it's hard, and that that broke my spirits a bit. Um, but I was fine in Michigan, and then I rolled into Forest Hill really late for me. I, I think it was like nine p.m. or something, so it was pitch black. You know, but I just you know grabbed a grilled cheese and a coke, and you know said hi to Gordy, and just sat down with my family and friends, and just kind of reset my head because I knew what is, was going to happen at Cal Street once you leave Forest Hill. And so I took the time and I just kind of reset myself. I changed all my gear, changed my shirt and my socks and everything and just got ready for that next 16 miles down to the river because I knew that was going to be hard. I guess kind of the hardest point for me was was the Devil's Thumb aid station, mile 48. And then kind of just knowing what was ahead, um, (laughs) leaving Forest Hill was also kind of tough. But, you know, like in the you, you you fight through it and rally on.
2: Forest Hill was definitely a highlight. I didn't mind hanging out there for a while because it was pretty much a party, but I was so shocked when Norm came in there and said, I'm going to go get a blister taken care of because he usually has the best feet in a race. And I'm the one that suffer with my feet. And I'm like, you're going to (laughs) what? And sure enough, he went in and had a blister taken care of. So he's in there for a little while, but.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate that I never have a blister at all ever in any race. (laughs) In any hundred miler and here i had i stopped at michigan and i stopped at forest took care of my feet twice <laughs> never happened before wow.
0: <laughs> what do you think brought that on uh,
2: were your feet sweating
1: no i don't know i don't know just maybe hotter than usual race i don't know yeah, yeah. i don't know but then you when you got to through the cows the cow section was amazing actually i did enjoy running through the cow section and then getting to the river for me personally I just found that because it's three o'clock in the morning now I'm crossing this river it was more of a nuisance had it been three o'clock in the afternoon I would have loved it <laughs> but three o'clock in the morning it's like what is this and it was a conga line still at three o'clock in the morning it's like it took me forever to get through the river what how was that for you the river section
0: it you was know, a similar experience. And you know, we didn't get to cross the river during training camp for safety reasons, right? So you watch Unbreakable and you just you and all the movies and you see the river crossing. And then I got there and my my quads were so trashed after the 16 mile descent from Forest Hill to the river. Like I, I had a pacer, my friend Damien, and we were you know, talking and laughing and just joking the whole way down Cal Street. But my quads were so trash that even those stone steps going down to the river, I walked mm-hmm. sideways down. My quads were so wrecked. So <laughs> on one hand, it was good to get into the cold water. It was yeah. really... Refreshing on my quads, but it it wasn't the magical experience of running in at like 4 p.m. in the heat and just like exactly under the water. It was more just like an annoyance, I guess.
1: (laughs) I agree. I agree. So, for those who are want to have the experience of the river, you got to get there between two and four. (laughs)
0: Exactly when it's 100 degrees Fahrenheit and you can take advantage of the river it was cool like I dunked my head and then kind of came out on the other side and I felt like that was just right so we've gotten through so many big parts the canyons and Cal street and everything and we're through the river and you come out on the other side and I left a pair of shoes on the other side and then it's like right like it's still 22 miles which let's not underestimate that's almost a marathon which was so crazy that you still have that far to go but you are on the like home stretch you're almost 80 percent of the way down western states and even now almost a year back that just makes me like just
2: (laughs) (laughs) and what about crossing no hands now you're back into the heat of the day again I would imagine
0: yeah, yeah. Like I had these dreams of getting to No Hands Bridge at four thirty in the morning. Yep. And when when you know Norm and I were at training camp, I, I wanted to run the climb from No Hands to Roby Point. And I think it's two and a half miles. It's pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. And it's steep, but it's runnable. And so in in, in training camp, I ran that entire climb to Roby on the off chance that I was there in a point to just, you know, go sub 24, which I wasn't um so then on race day i got to no hands like you know well after you know 24 hour splits but i said like this is it we're at mile 96 or something at this point like i'm going to be done this race like forever in under an hour here so I was with my friend Charles at this point, he was pacing me, and I told him, I'm running every step from no hands to Roby. We're going to bury ourselves on this climb. And I I don't care about the finish time at this point, but I want to look back on this and say, like, I buried myself on that final climb. (laughs) And I was probably moving at 10 minute pace, so it wasn't like that fast. But it felt good. It felt so good. And when we kind of crested the climb, and you can see Roby Point, my wife and kids and my other friend were up there and they were cheering us on. And then once I got to Roby Point, it was just like, just all the relief because you're 1.2 miles from the finish line just kind of waved over me that this is going to happen. Like you're going to finish Western States, right? And that was a cool time to finish because at that point it was like 830 in the morning and like everyone was out and cheering and having their breakfast out in Auburn. And so it was a really spectacular time to finish.
1: (laughs) I remember when during the training camp, I was fortunate to run five kilometers with Casey Lichtai and we went into no hands together and she was explaining to me okay this is when you see the lights in the dark up there and all this stuff and i'm thinking okay so i'm gonna be here in the dark okay
2: (laughs) 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 maybe i should have introduced
1: myself yeah Yeah. i'm
2: surprised you stuck with her for 5k (laughs) she's slumming at the back well you know it's, it's
1: it's it's downhill it's downhill to no hands so that's how i was able to keep up with her
2: right 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 (laughs) now it's
0: tough downhill to no hands like again with the trash quads like i think the one thing that western states does because it's a net downhill course and it's so runnable and i know we're going to talk a lot about utmb here but western states is so runnable that you can run it and you don't have poles and then unless you're just got quads of steel like you can trash your quads so Um, It was it was good to get that done. And when I when I met Scott Jurek at the mile 98 station, I was was so oblivious. My pacer Charles had to say, hey, Steve, here's Scott Jurek standing right (laughs) next to you. So it was cool to meet him. And, you know, at this point, it was 630 in the morning and all Scott said was get out of here and get it done. It's going to get hot. It's going to be 100 degrees Fahrenheit really soon. Get to the track and get this done. And that's why we just kind of finished it off just to get it done.
1: If you're picking up what we're laying down, listen up. The trails at Earl Rowe Provincial Park in Alliston have been a well-kept secret until now. We've crafted a scenic 12k loop for our rainbow trail run, featuring mostly double-track trail that will show off all of the best views this park has to offer. Join us this August for one, two, four, eight, or 14 loops. We'll leave the math up to you registration is now open for more info go to gotta run racing.com. anyways back to the show and the funny thing is with Scott Jurek is also I did see Scott Jurek at that aid station but I was dealing with a bleeding nose at the time and so my pacer was trying to pack up my nose and she goes oh do you want to meet Scott Jurek and I was like no man
2: <laughs> not looking like that. <laughs> look at me I'm a complete mess
0: Ready for a (laughs) Scott.
2: Is that the aid station where they were serving bacon? No. No? No, that wasn't that one. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. So describe the emotions of entering the track.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. It was, uh, you know, just years of dreaming about this. Like, literally, you go to sleep every night. Like, and this is what you're thinking about for, like, months of training and years and, like, how many times have we watched Unbreakable and those types of things, right? And then to be able to run on the track and I had my my wife and my two kids and my sister-in-law, Heather, and my two friends and pacers, Damien and Charles, and all, like, you know, seven of us on the track together ran the 300 meters together and then under the finish line. Like that was so amazing. Like that's <laughs> never going to you know, be repeated again in my life. So it was so, so cool. And like having both my kids there with me was
2: just the best. I can imagine. I can imagine. One thing that I said to people when we came home that I know have been trying, just like Norm, for years and years to get in I said, the hype is real. And don't give up. And I don't, you know, you when you build something up in your mind for so many years, you're often let down. It's kind of like Christmas, right? Like as a little <laughs> kid, you have this expectation, but honestly, I can say. I was never let down by any part of that experience from the beginning to the end. Unbelievable. And she
1: ran with me on the track with the Canadian flag.
2: Yeah, that she, she she was
1: going to give it to me for me to do that. I said, no, come with me. You got to experience <laughs> this track.
2: <laughs> Cause I lived with him for all the years, right? I'm sure your wife can attest to that. I, I never would wear a race shirt that I have not participated in, but this was an exception because I was the, the Sherpa and the, you know the the wife that supported so oh my gosh unbelievable
0: <laughs> yeah but i agree with with what you said like the hype is real and it's worth it like if you want to do western states anyone that's listening to this like you will get in right like i think norm it took you seven years it took me five years. You know, Dylan Bowman, it took him 10 years to get into Hard Rock, and then he got second place, but you, you, or third, but you will get in eventually to these races, and if if you truly want to do it, and it's worth it, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Norm and I are going to experience this in a couple of months in the Alps, but like Western States, like even if it took me 15 years to get in, I would totally go through it, and it's worth it to have yeah. that experience. Agree,
2: agree.
1: Now- if you had the chance to go back to Western States, what would, would you do differently? Because I know what I would do different. The
0: experience was perfect. Um, I wanted to suffer. I love suffering in hundreds. And I love suffering differently in every hundred, too. And so the 40 degrees heat was was a suffer fest like I didn't puke, but my when my stomach went off and then I was dehydrated and hypothermic and shivering like I like that stuff. And so when I look back holistically on the experience, I got what I wanted and what I paid mm-hmm. for and what I trained for. Um, if I had finished 2430, I might be saying, hey, where could I find 30 minutes on that? Mm-hmm time to go to silver buckle but you know i was 28 10 so like there's there's no way and i was you know professionally coached and everything so at my age i think i did kind of what i could have done you know i definitely could have taken time off like i know there's 30 to 60 minutes in aid station time and then maybe not running cal street as as well as i could have to take off but like i'm super happy like i i put my one ticket in again for western states and thankfully didn't get you know, pulled. For and, you know, if and when I get a chance to run it again, I'll run it again. But if I die with only one Western States finish, I'm super happy with that. So, you know, there's always things I could tweak and change. But as far as the overall experience, I wouldn't change anything from that.
1: Well, how about would you let's say run slower to get into the golden hour? <laughs> hey, would you ever consider doing that? <laughs>
0: when when i was spectating states with my son in 2018 we we stood there at the finish line literally at the finish line for the entire golden hour and watched everyone finish and that you know 72 year old man that finished as well in the golden hour and so i really liked finishing in the the pre-golden hour and then norm (laughs) i got to watch you finish my wife was like just so ecstatic every time someone came across and so yeah it would be cool to finish in the the you know the 29er Club but I got to watch that and just watch the tears of joy as everyone came across the line so that was super cool as well
2: (laughs) absolutely now the plans for 2023 I think you were originally going to do a different race before you got the news about UTMB is that right
0: yeah I didn't expect to get into UTMB. It wasn't really even on my radar as an A-race. And only when I realized that you got running stones by finishing Western States that I thought, as I always do, I'll just throw those in and see what happens. Um, But wasn't expecting to get in. And so... Me and, you know, two of my friends from the Vancouver area entered the Cascade Crest Lottery, which is the really amazing 100 miler in Washington State, um, which it's a 100 mile loop. And I've never done a 100 mile. So, you know, Western States was that 100 mile point to point. But I've always wanted to do a 100 mile loop. like. UTMB or Cascade Crest or Hard Rock. And so we were all in on Cascade Crest and all three of us got in on the Cascade Crest lottery whenever that was early January, I think. And so that's where my head was at for 23. I was running Cascade Crest and then the UTMB lottery happened and I didn't get in. So easy. I didn't get into UTMB with my four stones and I was in Cascade Crest. And so I was 100% focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, Western states has a very transparent lottery system with the wait list, and you know exactly where you are on the wait list, just like Hard Rock. And unless I missed it, I don't think UTMB publishes anything like that. They say there is a wait list, but everyone that doesn't get in, like me, just ends up on the wait list. Mm. You know, you're not getting in off the wait list because <laughs> who's going to drop out of UTMB, right? and and so then the end of the story is i got in off the wait list which was so crazy because i was not expecting it and it was like well into february at this point i had been training for 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 cascade crest and literally wasn't even kind of checking the utmb portal because i never even thought this was a scenario that, that that could have happened where you just you know, magically get in. So if 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 I can share really quickly the story of kind of how I found out. My, oh, yeah. my daughter's 13 now, and I guess she was 12 at the time, and she wanted to go see Avatar 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were going to the movies, and we bought our tickets, and we walked into Avatar 2 which is like three hours and 15 minutes long. It's like a super long movie. And I I, I flipped open my phone to you know, put it on silent. And there was an email there saying, congratulations, you got into UTMB.
2: Like literally
0: <laughs> all that. And then I turned my phone off and put it away. And I sat there for three and a half hours, and honestly, I don't remember a single thing from that movie. (laughs) Literally, not a single part of that movie. I spent three and a half hours going, "Holy crap! I got into UTMB. Like, what does this mean? Can I run Cascade Crest? Like, how do I get my entire family to France? How much is it afford, or how much is this going to cost?" I spent three hours just completely spinning on all the elements of that. Um, so it took a couple of days to work that out, but once it kind of worked into the mechanics with my wife and I, and the cost of getting the whole family to France, it's, it's awesome. And now I'm super excited and it's, it's my hay race of the year, my only race of the year. And I've, I've dropped out of Cascade Crest. So luckily someone on the Cascade Crest wait list gets my spot and gets to run their, their race for the year.
2: That's awesome. What, wow. what month is Cascade?
0: It's July 21st. Oh. So it's, six weeks to the day between Cascade Crest and UTMB. And I've never ran 200 milers in a year. And I don't think that I have that in me. And my my coach, Kat Drew, said that would be a dumb idea to run both Cascade Crest and UTMB, especially if UTMB is your A race. So, So I think I made the good decision of dropping out of Cascade Crest and I'm going to be pacing my, my friend who's running his first 100 miler at Cascade Crest Ooh. And the final 50K. So literally, I pick him up at mile 68, and I run him from 68 to the finish. So I'll get to experience all the greatness of running in, in Cascade Crest for 50K, you know, and getting to pace a friend to his first 100, but then uh, also not completely wreck myself for YouTube
2: that hmm. oh, that couldn't wor- have worked out better. I think so. Win-win.
0: I'm pretty happy with that. So so if you if you ever end up on the wait list of a race like Hard Rock and UTMB, I guess it is possible to get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Will this be your first time climbing the Alps?
0: I Yeah, first time. I've never been to that part of the world. Like I've been to Paris, but I've never been anywhere near the Alps. And uh, yeah. I'm excited and just terrified at the same time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you ever started an ultra in the late afternoon now? Because uh, UTMB starts at four o'clock. Is that right? Six o'clock. Six yeah.
0: o'clock. Six, yeah. mm, okay. A.M. start, and uh, I never started anywhere past nine a.m. And so, <laughs> I have no idea how this is going to go. I, I think it'll be interesting in that you can eat and drink and chill out and. Sit in the bed with your feet up and compression socks on and just get super relaxed, I think, Um, and just try and not get anxious. Uh, Like, I'm not going to show up in Chamonix until at least four o'clock on that day. Mm. You know, by the time I got into UTMB, there were no hotels in Chamonix. So we're actually staying quite a bit out of town in in Saint-Gervais. So like by the time I get in, it's going to be a couple hours before race, but you know, it, it's, it's tough, like starting right at six o'clock and I've never gone to, you know through two nights before, like I've ran 34, 35 hours, but, um, I've never gone through a second night. And so that's going to be a first, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think either the latest or the earliest I've started a race was midnight. Ooh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was in scenic trail, Switzerland.
2: Oh, that's right.
1: Midnight, yeah.
2: I think it gives you, it, it, your nerves get a chance to build up a little bit more because you're awake for so much longer. Yeah,
1: I didn't know what to eat that day. I didn't know yeah. how to when to eat or when to sleep. I, I, yeah, it was a bit off, but that's Europe. That's <laughs> Yeah. <how it> started. <laughs>
2: And
0: I'm interested, like, I'm looking forward to it. The the 5 a.m. start at Western States was was tough as well for me. Like, I was up at 2 in the morning that day. I couldn't sleep. I was so excited and anxious. I know the anxiety and the excitement's going to be, you know, going crazy on, on September 1st for UTMB, but uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a great experience.
2: What are you most looking forward to seeing it during the race? Like, what's the – what are you dreaming about, like you were for Western?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, since getting in and and I will admit I haven't been dreaming about this race for years because I got in unexpectedly unexpectedly and it wasn't my my, my dream race, but since getting in, I've watched everything that there is to watch on YouTube about UTMB or or even the TMB, the the you know the Tour de Mont Blanc of people fastpacking it over multiple days, and just it looks amazing. Like it looks, I've I've been all over Canada and the U.S. and I've been to New Zealand, but it looks unlike anywhere I've ever been in my life. Right, and there's out in BC, there's glaciers everywhere too, but it's something different. Like when you see people climbing up the Grand Col Ferret and looking over to the glaciers on Mont Blanc, like it looks so different. It looks like the Alps and I've never been there. So I know I'm going to be in the dark for a lot of it. And that's yeah. it. So Maybe I'll we'll have to go back and do and do the fast pack one year, but just being in the Alps and getting to spend kind of forty-ish hours circumnavigating yeah. this <laughs> so massive, like that's what I'm looking forward to. I've never climbed this much in my life. Like I'm a climber, but you know, Norm, you know, it's ten thousand meters of ascent. It is. <laughs> what are you talking about? I hope you know that by now. So I've done 7,000 in 100 before, but I've never done 10 vertical kilometers of uphill and downhill. And so on, on the summer solstice, which is June 21st, I'm gonna try and have a 10,000 meter day out here in, in in North Vancouver. This is uphill only. So there, there's a ski tram, which kind of takes you down. Mm-hmm and I'm going to try and crack out a 10,000 meter day, um, personally for fun and partially because some of my friends are doing it. And I think it'll be super cool to have a 10,000 meter day, but at least if I do that and survive it, I can tick the box on the uphill for UTMB.
2: Well, we, just... have, we have a ski hill in Ontario called Blue Mountain and yeah. Norm would climb it and take the tram down. How long do you think it would take to do ten thousand meters? Because you'd be wasting your time taking the tram, probably a hundred times. I don't
1: know what. <laughs> I don't even know what ten thousand meter is. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. In, in my mind, I, I see the number, but I don't know the feeling. Yeah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> What's the more exciting for you now, UTMB or Western States? If you compare the two as far as excitement to get to, because People always talk about these two iconic races. They're trying to get to both of them. Yeah. And now we're going to do it. So what do you, where do you feel? I'm more excited about this than that. I don't know. I don't I know. I think he already answered it. Yeah, well. Yeah,
2: with Western. You think West, yeah. Western?
1: Because for me, I was. it took me eight years for Western, seven years for UTMB. It's very difficult for me to decide to, uh, which one is it. But
2: UTMB was on your bucket list before Western was.
1: I did read about UTMB before Western, yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. You have a very different experience in how long you've been anticipating this. Like, I, I, I spent the last decade of my life just thinking and dreaming about Western states. But on the flip side, I am a mountain runner who lives in the mountains and likes to climb steep, steep mountains. And that is not Western states. That's mm. CMB and hard rock. And that's that's better suited to me. So to answer your question, Western states is it was my dream race but i'm excited i'm as excited about utmb now as i was at this time last year about western states and i'm now convinced and i think i told you last year when we talked is i wasn't really ever thinking about hard rock but i'm gonna do hard rock in the next 10 years for sure like
2: Mm
0: -hmm. i'm in my mid 40s now and if it takes me 10 years like it took Debo to get in like i'm gonna run hard rock um and just you know, living in the mountains and being a mountain runner, like, you know, there's there's lots of races out there, including Cascade Crest, but UTMB in the Alps and Hard Rock in the San Juans are like the top of the heap. So I want to have a chance to experience that.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I can see I can see that. If that's your strength, it's almost more enjoyable when yeah. you play to your strengths, because I, how many times have we chosen a race that is completely outside of our comfort
1: oh, zone? Anything. <laughs> anything with vert <laughs> is not on my list but I have to do them yeah. to get into these races yeah yeah because I'm not a climber I'm no. not a climber <laughs> I'm, I'm very tired of entering going at a start line of a race and mm. I see these this mountain in front of me which I've, I have not seen in years thinking that I got this I don't got this. (laughs) I don't got this. I'm going in going I know I can I will get it done. But it's gonna hurt. But it's just it's just (laughs) not in my element. Anyway. So
0: you're a good runner. And what does UTMB start with? A 10K road time trial. Yeah. <laughs> that scares me. I'm like, do I have to run like a 50-minute 10K to start a mountain 100? That sounds terrible. So um yeah that that, that's what scares me the most once i start climbing up to um you know the mountains that's when i'll be like thank goodness the 10k flat is done (laughs) that's true i'm gonna red line on that 10k
2: yeah because you said you wanted to avoid the conga line that's right i'm
0: gonna get right out in front (laughs) (laughs) yeah well carl Meltzer was talking about the conga line and how bad it can get at utmb and we all know there's going to be like 2,800 people running this right so what's I don't know what the strategy is, like, how do you run that 10k? Like, I can't run 45 minutes, that's going to kill me. But if I run an hour, then I'm going to be the last person through the 10k. So uh, I don't know, I think that's a question for cat to figure out for me.
2: <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. That's why you pay her the big bucks, right? <laughs>
0: <It's worth> every <everything. laughs>
2: Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to sharing a beer and a chocolate croissant with you at the finish line with your family in August. Actually, it'll be September, September by that point. <laughs> we're, yeah,
1: We're talking 40 hours out there.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Well, good luck with the training and we don't want to let you go without doing some more rapid fire we're going to not repeat the questions that we did the first time around. Okay. But we are going to post his the blogs that he's done right yes we're, he's...
1: we're going to post your blogs in our show notes just so that people can read yours
2: so you, about your experience the hell you went through
1: <laughs>
2: all right name a tv show that you're embarrassed to say you watch
1: embarrassed
0: i watch like a um a Reality.
1: guilty pleasure a guilty pleasure
0: oh i wish i had a good answer for this um i just watch a lot of shows with my kids i can't think of anything specific no real guilty pleasures no like you know melrose place or anything like
2: that (laughs) (laughs) you're dating yourself you're dating yourself (laughs) what's your favorite junk food
0: oh i love chips yes i'm I'm a salty carb guy like i just eat so many chips we had a party on the weekend and there were chips left over and so i just ate them all
2: (laughs) (laughs) well you need salt
0: that's
2: right exactly Ah, uh, name a place you really want to travel to, but has nothing to do with running.
0: Oh, I'd like to go to japan. my 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 son really wants to go to Japan. I think that would be an awesome family trip. And yes, I know there's great running in Japan as well. but uh, that would be a really cool family vacation, I think, to go on,
2: yeah, for sure. Are you superstitious?
0: I'm not superstitious, but I am a little bit stitious. <laughs> Michael Scott from The Office.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. No, I'm not superstitious at all. I don't like carry rabbit's foot or wear my lucky spandex or anything like that. No.
2: <laughs> all right, last question.
1: If you could be a professional painter, writer, or musician, which one would you be?
0: Oh, musician for sure. Yes, of
1: I course. Rock it out.
0: <laughs> acoustic and electric guitar in high school. And I was terrible at it. But I just had the dream of being the musician, but didn't have the skill or the patience to get good. But, you know, I listen to a lot of music when I run. Um, and I just, I love music and just the, the idea in another life of just being a, a rock star would be so cool.
2: <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it.
0: Thanks. It was good to chat with both of you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in person and shopping.
2: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, another thing I want to tell you is just to
1: know that based on the analytics of our podcast, you popped up in the top 10 just yesterday. <laughs> oh. the, the chat that we had from what, last year? Last, last year. year, yeah. Oh. You popped back up. You popped <laughs> back in. So out of nowhere. <laughs>
2: Probably people that are getting ready to do Western. They're, they're trying to
1: they're trying to get oh, information, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Thanks for inviting me back. It was great to see you both. And I appreciate you you including me in the podcast. My friends love listening to these podcasts. And I've gone back through your entire catalog and listened to all the God I Run Racing. You had that awesome one with that that woman that did hard rock. I listened to that one twice. It was so good.
1: Oh, um, yeah. Jonah Ford.
0: Yeah, she did Fat Dog, and then she got into Hard Rock, and that's such a great one. So I like your podcast. funny. Thank
1: you. Funny <laughs> enough, that is our most downloaded podcast. That one, yes. yeah, yeah, surprisingly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Like, I like your podcast because it has real people on like, yeah, we all want to hear what Casey looked at and Debo has to say. But like I was listening to the AJW podcast yesterday and it's like same stuff, different podcasts, whereas yours is awesome. It has like real people. Like I can relate to that woman that ran hard rock. And somebody, <laughs> exactly. who said that
1: at the, our, our race? she like, she, was, she was trying to find a podcast about hard rock, but it was always about the pros. It oh, was-
2: right, right, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then she said, "Well, what about our podcast?" And she goes, "I didn't know you guys had a podcast." <laughs> I go, "Here is the podcast about Hard Rock with
0: Joanna Ford."
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's a real person. Yeah. Like I know two people that ran Hard Rock last year, and like their stories are more relevant yes. to me than how Devo did. Like that's not relevant. Not at
2: all. Not at all. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. Good to see you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
1: And there you have it, Steve Day. It was nice to rehash our journey on that one day.
2: Yeah, it's almost coming up to a year to celebrate.
1: Yeah, it was incredible. The the whole training camp and then Western States. But then he put the fear in my eyes (laughs) about what's to come at UTMB. Norm, you do realize it's 10,000 meters. What <laughs> I have no idea what ten thousand meter is. I, I like I said, I don't I know what the number is. You could put ten thousand one and four zeros in front of me, but to actually see it or feel it, I don't know.
2: Well, you're gonna you're gonna know what it feels like <laughs> by the end of uh well, beginning of September. How many hours do you have to do this race? Forty six, maybe. Forty six.
1: And I know that I'll be at around the 40 hour mark ish, something
2: like that. Oh boy. Do they have a Golden Hour t shirt? <laughs>
1: I don't know what they have, actually. I don't know. This is when's the last time we actually raced in Europe?
2: Actually, do you know that the last finisher gets to go up on the stage yes. with the winners? I just read that. The I other was day. thinking
1: about that, and that could be a Golden Hour moment. So perhaps, hey, why not?
2: You never know.
1: <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but uh, it was nice chatting with Steve again.
2: It sure was. Yeah. It sure was.
1: I like how he how he found out he got into UTMB's Oh, my
2: gosh. <laughs> at the movie crazy. theater.
1: And then he didn't get to enjoy the movie. Do you
2: think he's going to go see Avatar again?
1: No. It's <laughs> <laughs> to watch Avatar is a training day in itself.
2: Yeah. What a waste of time. He could be out there running. <laughs>
1: yeah, for three hours.
2: <laughs> oh, and I want to say. I know you guys hear this all the time with other podcasts because I listen to a lot of podcasts Mm. and they say, oh, please like review, blah, blah, blah. And I'm talking about celebrity podcasts. They don't need your likes and reviews. We need your likes and (laughs) reviews. Honestly, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, We'd really appreciate it if you just took a minute to like, review, subscribe, share, check out our Patreon. Whatever. Whatever it is, please do us a solid. Because it does make a difference. It doesn't make a difference to the smartless and the armchair critics of the world, but it does to us. And we appreciate it. All right. On that note, until next time. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details. And join us on social media, at Racing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.